Hey, welcome everybody to Hope For Our Times. Here it is, today's what? What day is today? I can't even remember. Um, but I have a special guest on today. It's absolutely terrific. You're gonna be super blessed. Uh, Dr. Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries is joining us today. Thank you for joining us, Nathan. Well, I'm happy to be here. And uh, Tom, it's 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11. So very important day. It is uh, anniversary of 9-11. I want to get going with that here in just a second. And then uh, we're also going to get into some other things. Uh, Nathan, I want to ask you about the unseen world. Um, I'm going to ask you about some insight from the minor prophets. Uh, I have a lot of questions to ask you, but I'm looking at what's going on behind the curtain and how things are being directed. That's why I'm trying to wrap my mind around. It seems like everything in the world is coordinated by something or someone. I mean, it's, it's too obvious. So I got lots of questions to ask you uh, because you've written a lot about the unseen world too, uh, along with the minor prophets, which I'm gonna get into. But l let's start with this, 9-11, uh, Nathan. So I, I look back, it was 22 years ago, uh, 20, 20, yeah, 22 years ago. And mm -hmm. I remember it very well. I'm sure anybody that was old enough at the time remembers it very well. Um, just a shocker of a day, and it changed. It literally changed the world. Um, and uh, I, look at, I look at some things, Nathan. I mean, you have things that are on the Internet. Uh, there's plenty of people out there that say, hey, this was actually planned. Uh, the Bush administration was involved. The Mossad was involved. And and so forth. Um, and regardless of all those thoughts, one thing that happened for sure is with 9-11, it changed the, our freedoms uh, and the freedom to be able to operate. And we see this constant elimination of our freedoms ever since. Uh, travel changed immediately. Um, tracking people became a big deal and all that. But regardless, you look at the loss of life and the change to the world. Do uh, you have thoughts on 9-11 being that today as we're remembering that? Well, I think most of us could remember where we were. I, I remember getting into the office early in the morning. Uh, I was uh, working in an ISP in Maryland at the time, and uh, we had TV going all the time because we were broadcasting. And you know, it's like, we're under attack. I remember calling my wife uh, back at home with our little. My daughter was only a few days old. She had just been born. And, you know, come, uh, honey, we're under attack. And, and so, <laughs> it, yeah, I think we, I'm not old enough to remember, say, the assassination of JFK. I was born in, you know, in the 70s, not the 60s. But for those people as well, or for the people who survived Pearl Harbor, they they remember that time period. And I think we remembered. It's funny that Prager University just came out with a video this week explaining to Gen Z's what 9-11 is, because a lot of them were either too young or don't remember what it was about. And they brought up the point that 9-11 isn't really being taught to younger kids or students about what it really represented as Islamic terrorism, a, a hatred of American freedom and all. And it's funny that for the hatred of American freedom, you're absolutely right. We lost a lot of freedoms after 9-11. I mean, my wife and I just yesterday, we were out eating with the friends and we were laughing about how ridiculous TSA has been. You know, some guy puts a bomb in his shoes and now we've, for the last 20 years, we've been taking our shoes off. Uh, my son who's five in special needs, they swabbed his hands for bomb residue. 
you know, it's like, what? Or remember the old lady where they made her take her diaper off to check and see if there was bombs in her diaper? I mean, this is the insanity we're living in. And on top of that, you got the Patriot Act, which is snooping around all our personal information all the time. It's a very different world than it was 22 years ago. Oh, it is. And uh, it was it was the Friday after 9-11. I was teaching a prophecy update that night. And I remember telling everybody, you're about ready to see everything change. Uh regarding freedom and the freedom to be able to operate. But uh, our son was born two months after 9-11. Uh, mm. and, and we're at the airport, we're in Atlanta, and they actually, so my wife's got this stroller with a baby carrier thing in it, and there was no lady in front of us. There's two people that were pulled out of the line to be checked, right? The old lady that was in front of us, and my son and his baby stroller thing. And I'm thinking, this is just insanity. And, and they've operated with this stupidity ever since. You know, just, you look at taking off your shoes, you think, this, this stuff is just really idiotic when there really is crime that is taking place. And it's just, uh, it's just really something else to watch. But our freedoms are constantly being eroded. And when we start looking at things, I wanna ask you this regarding the, the uh, unseen world. Uh, I have so many questions to ask you. We have lawlessness that's abounding. We have a world that seems, at least in the Western world, at least in America, that seems to be choosing to be self-deluded. But before we go to any of that, uh, you were on a program with me a while back, um, and we got into the unseen world based on uh, some things that you have written. And we, I, I mean, I look, how do you get these governors, how do you get these presidents, how do you get all of these leaders on the same page with the same playbook doing things that everybody knows is just absolutely, it's gonna kill your country, it's gonna destroy everything, it's absolute insanity. You look at wokeism, and all I can think of is it has to be the principalities and powers that are behind it, and there has to be some kind of demonic worship that these people are involved in. There's it's, it's just too strange and too well organized. Do you have any thoughts on these things? Oh, well, we all are familiar with the Ephesians 6, 12, where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So absolutely, Tom, uh, we are in a world that is being controlled by Satan. Now, Jesus defeated Satan on the cross and when he resurrected from the dead. The title deed is Jesus himself, but we read in uh, Revelation chapter 5 and 6 how that the, the worthy lamb who was slain is to take that title deed and open the seven seals and then reclaim the earth as his. So it's his, but he hasn't taken it back yet. And Satan is running amok. Um, so we want to know how how politicians are, are seem to be all working in concert. I think the, the spookiest thing happened during... COVID, where not only did we see the entire world taking marching orders from Dr. Fauci and others, but also during the last election, how it seemed like the entire world wanted Trump not to win. I mean, there was a concerted international effort to stop an American election. It was very well coordinated, and we're still seeing the ramifications with the January 6th uh, trials and stuff like that. But I, if, to answer your question, I would go back to Star Wars. I still remember when Anakin Skywalker was trying to explain the difference between the Jedi and the Sith. He said, the Jedi are selfless. They only think of other people. They represent the light side. But the Sith 
are self-centered. All they care about is themselves. They are totally self-centered. And as society gets more and more evil and more corrupt, people become more and more selfish. They do things more for themselves than they do for the greater good in society. And that works into Satan's plan. Hmm. Interesting. Well, when uh, Daniel chapter 9, for example, uh, we or the book of Daniel, we read about uh, the prince of Persia. We know that, you, so you take a nation, a people group, we know, uh, uh, we have Michael, the angel that appears in the Bible to me to be uh, the watcher over the nation of Israel. So you have this watcher over the nation of Israel and the one over Persia. And so mm -hmm. we see these dynamics that are happening in a world that we can't see. Uh, I, I believe that they're, it's because they're in a different dimension. Some people say I'm crazy when I mention that, but how do you explain these, these angelic beings, the good and the bad, uh, uh, operating within countries do you, do you think they still are today? Oh, absolutely. I, again, the Bible is resplendent with stories. Uh, take, for instance, in Ezekiel, when it talks about the king of, of Tyre, and he starts off explaining a human, but it quickly starts explaining Satan, because we know it discusses as his fall from heaven and his power. So we know that Satan uh, moves his throne, his kingdom, the uh, head of the kingdom, there depending on where the action is. Uh, so, you know, for Babylon, and it will be in Babylon again one day. Uh, more than likely, it's in all the capitals. I think it's in Brussels right now. I mean, we're just seeing this concerted effort. And sometimes uh, the Bible peels back the layers and reveals the spirit world to us, and it's, for instance, when that uh, tunnel was made, uh, it was across into Switzerland, and all the heads of state of Europe went down in that tunnel, and they held a gigantic satanic drama player. I don't know what you could call it. I mean, people were dressed like goat people. They were dancing around. We're looking at Brazil a few years back. They had this giant dragon, and, and everybody dressed like demons, and they had a guy dressed like Jesus and another guy dressed like Satan, and leading the parade is Jesus as Satan beats up on him and kicks him, and the audience boos. I mean, this is when the, the veil is lifted up, and we can see how demonic our world's getting and continue to get us. And we're also seeing a passing of the torch, too, as the church wanes in its power, as the church of Laodicea was prophesied, and Israel grows in strength. It's a passing of the guard into the tribulation. So, yeah, brother, I, it, there's no doubt whatsoever. The Bible is resplendent with stories that explain that we live in Satan's fallen world. He is in charge. He's got a demonic order. There's levels. They're organized like military, and uh, they control the principalities and powers of this world, and they're gaining strength. They really are. Mm -hmm. Certainly seems to be. I, I think of Hollywood, it seems like Hollywood is just you got to have some kind of demonic worship that's actually taking place. Uh, in in the, most Christians deny these things are even real. Uh, many people who go to church just think uh, that kind of talk, it's just fairy tale talk, it's not real. But in Israel, one of the most successful things the devil's able to do is make people think that he doesn't really exist. It, and yeah. But when I look at it, I remember reading some work by Frank Peretti many years ago, uh, yeah. and you start looking at it and you're thinking, all right, it seems like you have just, there's these, these creatures, the angelic creatures are really all around us, but we can't see them in our finite minds. Let me ask you this, when, when we read the book of Hebrews, uh, we know the Bible tells us, hey, 
uh, be careful when you're entertaining somebody, you may be entertaining an angel, it's just being aware. So that, we have the understanding that angels in the Bible, good angels, appear as human beings, sometimes. Uh, they take on, I should say, they take on the form of a human being, the look of a human being. That is possible, because we see it in the Bible. Is it likely that that is happening with these demonic creatures also? Because I, I mean, you look at it, you go, man, things are just so weird. I mean, it, I know it really takes you out there, but I'm just curious because you've written much on this. Yeah, well, I mean, I love the study of angelology. I wrote a whole book called The Mighty Angels of Revelation, which focuses on the 72 angels or groups of angels that can be found in the book of Revelation. So uh, it was very illuminating. I still remember back my old Bible school years, uh, my uh, was a Doctrine 101 professor, we got into angelology and demonology, and he was very hesitant to get into demonology. He said, as Christians, the more you study it, the more you can get sucked into it and sucked into the occult. And he, he very much gave us a warning before he started teaching it. And so, yeah, same warning for all of us tuned in here is that uh, we shouldn't be dwelling on the demonic world too much. It could suck us in. It, it, it becomes an obsession for some people and it destroys their lives. So uh, we got to be very careful as Christians. But uh, do demons show up as human beings? I believe was your question. Well, we look in the Old Testament, for instance, uh, when Abraham, uh, when three men came to visit him and told him and Sarah about the child that be born to him, they looked like normal people, except the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, was given the honor and, and worship due him, uh, respect by the others. The other two were angels. They looked just like humans. Then they went on to take Lot out of the city. They looked like humans. Nobody said, hey, what are those angels doing over there? They they looked. In a, so we know that angels can appear as humans. We also know that the fallen angels are the same creation as the good angels they've just fallen and then it's a third of them so we know christ's angels outnumber satan's angels two to one uh, we also know that when they were sent to earth they were disembodied jesus talked about how their spirits in the air they're cold they're looking for something to inhabit so i tend to believe that while angels can uh, appear as human they remain in physical form the demonic world that isn't locked away in the bottomless pit waiting for the tribulation cannot take on human form. They require the possession of people that are willing. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to make the claim that Joe Biden is demon-possessed, but there are times where he goes from a doddering old fool to something frightening, and you know that the demonic world wants to control the powers of the world. Well, if the powers are absolutely corrupt, like the Biden administration, then we know that it's crawling with demons all over it. And so there are times where you know then there's there's glimpses. I mean, you've got the insane. I remember when Jesse uh, uh, DeVos was going into a school and a demon-possessed guy ran up to her and tried to threaten her and all that. I mean, those are the obvious ones. But, you know, again, there's an order to the demonic world. You've got the ones up top who are, are intelligent and powerful and smart. But as you go down, they, they're weak and insane and, and raving. And maybe it's the sin uh, the the separation from God that has caused them to fall a lot of them into an insanity, so to speak. I I was in um, Seattle last year speaking at two conferences, and they just let the mentally ill run all over the place. I was outside of a Target, and there was a guy, a young guy, screaming and yelling, and he was doing it and and speaking to himself in four distinct voices. And everybody was avoiding him going the round way. But, I mean, you'd think, you know, the police would pick this guy up. 
but I mean, open demonic possession in society that's now allowed and acceptable, which wasn't, you know, just 20 years ago. That's another thing that changed. And it's another thing I think that points to the fact that Satan's kingdom is on the rise. He knows his time is short. And as the church is being pulled back, the evil is growing exponentially. Uh, that's an excellent explanation. You know, I look at, at a lot of the homeless population, you know, they're usually deemed mentally ill. But honestly, I look at some of the people I've encountered and thought, you know, there's something demonic that is about uh, going on with this individual. I mean, if you're a Bible believing Christian uh, I, I, and you're drawn near to the Lord, I believe you can sense that. You can tell this isn't, no, this isn't just a mental illness. And everything is written off, just, just prescribed drugs or whatever, but it seems to be everywhere, which leads me to this next question. Nathan, you did a, actually did a video on this a while back, uh, but why do you believe that our society is being, uh, choosing to be self-deluded? Because it's a, I mean, it's, it seems like a deliberate choice to make the worst decisions possible to destroy yourself, <laughs> destroy your family. Yeah, well, the selfishness is a, an all-consuming thing. Uh, again, to make a, an analogy for folks, uh, this Star Wars, look what always happened to the Sith. They look like monsters. They, it, they, they're evil. Their selfishness consumed them. And I think George Lucas, though a Buddhist, uh, kind of tapped into that there because we see that in the demonic world. There's a degradation, an insanity, a, a, an utter depravity, a, a hatred of anything that's good. I have a, a friend of mine who's a pastor, but he does a lot, in, and he's very quiet about this, but a lot of his ministry is dealing with people who uh, are dealing with spiritual oppression, if not possession. And uh, I'd heard the story about how when this, uh, our pastor actually had encountered somebody who was clearly demon possessed, that the Lord motivated him to start singing hymns and the other people in the church were singing it and it made that demon flee. So I asked my buddy who works, I'm not saying he's an exorcist, but you know, he, he works in that type of ministry. And I said, well, does that work? And he says, well, it works on the ones that are the lower ranks. They are, you know, there's an insanity to them. They run and flee at the name of Jesus or the worship of him or anything to do with Jesus. He says it's much harder with the more powerful ones. And that's why Jesus then even told the apostles, he says, well, with these, you need to pray. You need to call on me to, to bring the power, so to speak. So we know that, uh, and I think we got to get past this misconception that people have with angels is the same with demons. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I had this wonderful illustrated book on angels. It was probably written in the 1950s. And, you know, in the 1950s, everybody looked white with blonde curly hair, and they had the halo and the wings. And you assumed that all these angels were cookie-cutter like stormtroopers, yet another Star Wars analogy. And so we assume the demons are the same. But the Bible describes angels as all sorts of different sizes and powers and strengths. Some look human, some animalistic, some even elemental. Uh, there's all sorts of different things. So we are really misunderstanding the demonic world if we don't, or if we think that they're all exactly the same. And for example, if we look in the book of Revelation, 
during the trumpet judgments, we see quite a number released from the bottomless pit. They're not disembodied. They still have their bodies, but we've got these chimera-like creatures. We've got these locust-like creatures. We've got these generals. We've got the super general like Abaddon, and they're all described very, very differently in looks and power and ability. And I would say the angelic world is as varied as the animal world is uh, in the natural world. Mm. Very interesting. Uh, so, but I didn't answer your question, so I'm sorry about well, that. Uh, let's go to Second uh, Timothy four three through. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires or lusts, depending on your translation, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. What is turning aside to fables? They're choosing self-delusion. And the Bible says, why? Because they're chasing after their, their own lusts. They choose to be self-deluded. Uh, very interesting, because uh, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, also they're willfully ignorant, and Peter describes why they, uh, where they say, um, where's the promise of his coming? Our fathers used to hear about this, used to tell us about this. They say they're also there, it's the um, inference where Peter says because of their lusts, they are, mm -hmm. they get to a place of saying Jesus isn't coming back. People who apparently have heard and been taught that Jesus was coming back. So it's this whole, the, the whole tie-in is all the same. Uh, and, and they deny the creation, they deny the flood, yeah. and they deny the return of Jesus Christ. Interesting. Gee. Does that not sound like evolutionary atheism or humanism? It's exactly what he's talking about here. That is exactly what it is. Uh, going back to Revelation chapter 9 and these demonic creatures that uh, you described, I thought that was spot on, just with they'll be as varied as the animal kingdom. Um, when I look at the book of Jude, we have these demons that were worse than the others that are reserved for the day of judgment. Do you believe those demons that, that Jude is writing about are those ones of Revelation chapter 9? Probably. I, you know, I'm not going to get into the demonic world and the Nephilim and, and all that because there's only a few verses on it. So some will argue that the fallen angels are different than the demons. Uh, I believe that they were fallen. They were stripped of their bodies. They're the one, spirits of the air that, that, that Jesus talked about. But Revelation also describes the ones that are fallen in the pit. So I would categorize the demonic world into two different groups, those that are free and that those who are restrained, uh, those who don't have bodies and those that do have physical forms. Yeah, interesting. Thank you very much. By the way, before we go to the next question, how can people connect with you? Oh, sure. Uh, well, you can come to uh, Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Folks can find us on our website at ChristInProphecy.org, or they can download our Lamb Lion app. Uh, if you're on YouTube right now, go to our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. You can watch our TV show, Christ in Prophecy. And, and Tom, what you were referencing is our prophetic perspectives videos. They're a lot shorter where our director, Tim Moore, and myself discuss, much like you and I are doing now, aspects of what's going on in Bible prophecy. Uh, excellent. Thank you. Uh, why is lawlessness on the rise? <laughs> Why is lawlessness on their eyes? Uh, that's an excellent question because we're living in a time of tremendous lawlessness. And I think we can go to Matthew 24 for that answer there. Uh, Matthew 12 says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
And you know what's funny about that verse is that it can also be reversed. As people grow more selfish, their love grows cold, and the result is lawlessness will abound. For 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed to the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what we've got, according to the Bible here, is there's an ascension of Satan. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped as God. He wants to be treated as God. He hates humanity. You know, it's funny how many people want to follow Satan, but Satan would rather see them dead because they're made in the image of God Satan's goal has always been to get, if he can't rule heaven, then he'll rule earth and get God's creation, humanity, his children made in his image to worship him. And it's interesting what Satan offers humanity. He offers them freedom from God's moral law. But when you are free from God's law, you become a slave to your lusts. And that's how he catches them. So even though he hates them and despises humanity and wants to see us all dead, his followers adore him and will do anything he says because they're consumed by their own selfishness and lusts. And that'll be eventually in the tribulation when the Lord pulls the church out and the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit's gone, is they will then start taking a loyalty mark to Satan's Antichrist, swearing allegiance to him in order to hopefully push Jesus back and rule this world and just live however they want. And it's just a real shame. Uh, what's it? Uh, Fetterman, uh, Senator Fetterman, his wife recently had come out and asked, what is the, the Democratic platform? And she says there's there's three planks, really, to the Democratic platform. Porn, pot, and Planned Parenthood. Huh. And I was like, wow, she's absolutely right. That is the entire Democratic Party. That's the entire Western world right now. They are obsessed with these lusts that the Bible talked about, and they're willing to give up their freedom. They're willing to give their eternal life to follow Satan who promises they can have it. Wow, that's so insightful. Uh, and that she would actually say that, those three Ps. That, and it, it is, I mean, you can see it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, oh, so. I mean, everything that's going on with when it comes to voting in the United States seems to revolve around sex. It, it, I mean, yeah. It's all about it. And the drugs that help it, the porn that helps it, it's it's the lusts that enslave us. You're talking about the uh, Peretti book. I remember reading one of them where it was just that, that the people thought they were free. They were uh, they were climbing up a mountain and, and they got really upset that there was these guardrails along this icy path. How could there be guardrails to, how dare you restrict us? And they end up punching and kicking and knocking over the guardrails and then they slip off the ice and fall off the mountain. And that's exactly where our society is. We hate God's moral law. We hate him, therefore they're gonna hate Christians because our lusts have consumed us. It's And it's tragic because that type of society, God, like I have no use for you. I mean, I don't know about you, Tom, but I, I pray all the time for the United States. I pray that there'll be some revival. But when you see how our country lives for evil, why would we want to keep this society going? Once the church is out, there's no point in keeping society that is totally debased and evil, who loves abortion, who who love, who's really pushing now 
for sodomy with children. And I mean, that's as low as you can go, who just breaks all the laws and the bounds connected with the Lord and God. And so that's what the tribulation is. It's a destruction of all those societies around the world and a rise of Christ when he comes and defeats evil and sets up his kingdom. So that's a long answer. Uh, no, that's a great answer though. Uh, when I look at all everything, it appears to me uh, uh, one of the best illustrations I can think of in my mind is so basic uh, that there that Satan is uh, playing chess and mm -hmm. everybody down here is on this chess board uh, you look at the, uh, the these evil people that clearly are given over to his kingdom and he's just moving all of the different pieces along whether it be through government or through media or through Hollywood or all uh, through the schools every little piece is being moved along the people think they are free, but in this place of delusion, because that's really, uh, the grand delusion is coming. We know that from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, but we can already see what is developing when you look at the transgenderism and everything else. And from my perspective, Nathan, all of this is a brainwashing, it's a manipulation uh, that Satan is using to get the people to his agenda. He knows this stuff is evil. He knows this stuff is, is, is just going to mess up people. But when people are messed up in their minds, then they can mm -hmm. be easily manipulated. You bring in all of the fears and everything else. It is a plan of his to literally create as much chaos as, as is possible. And he uses, I mean, I look here in California, uh, Nathan, and we look at what the governor here does and the Democrat Party does in their voting, and you just look at everything and go, this just makes everything worse. Anybody knows it's going to make things worse, but yet they continue to go down this path. Well, why? Unless they're all part of it, because you know it's just destroying everything. But it is the mind it, 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 that is being shaped and manipulated, and um, I look at it to the point where I also throw this one out there is when I look at the U.S. military and you look at what has happened just in the last few years, uh, there's a certain requirement that came along to all people in the military, all troops, all personnel. They had to get this particular thing, right? Um, and those who chose not to do it, um, were they, they left. You know, they were kicked out of the military. They left or whatever, right? So it happened in pretty large numbers. But what's happened since then, my son, same age as your daughter, uh, some of his friends, they ended up in the military. They went in really good, but what's, what's happened within the military, the military, because some of the really strong and sound minds left, voluntarily left. They said, we're out of here. We aren't going to do this anymore. They've taken the military and been able to completely shape their thinking where now you have young men and young women, not all of them, but that have been manipulated by the insane things that the military is even uh, brainwashing uh, the, the young men and the young women with. So now we have media that's transformed. We have politicians that are transformed. The courts are transformed. The schools are transformed. Even a military is, has been transformed to this place where you have uh, a willingness and a brainwashing that's taken place to be able to be easily manipulated 
to bring about a military campaign against people too. And I look and go, this is just unbelievable. But as I look at it, it, it is a satanic plan that is behind all of this, manipulating people at the top who go about doing these things. And they must feel that they have enough power because uh, didn't California just shoot down a bill that would increase the punishment for people who sex traffic children? It was shot down by the California legislature this last week. I mean, we're talking about protecting children from being trafficked and the law was shot down. And you talk about Hollywood, of course, that Jim Caviezel movie that just blew everybody's minds, but now Denzel Washington and um, Mel Gibson are coming out and they're exposing the child molestation that runs rampant through Hollywood. I mean, it's Hollywood we've all known for a long time is rotten to the core, but you're right. There's an attack in the military. My son is in the military right now. And um, uh, he's, I asked him about it. I said, you know, do you see a lot of push to get the military to have more liberal bent? Because the military is always the check and balance against the takeover of the government. And he says, well, at least not in the branch he's in. Uh, there's, of course, diversity training, and you're supposed to respect everybody. But he says what he sees is because the millennials and Gen Zs have been so brainwashed before they got in the military, when they've come in the military, they've changed the, the I mean, in the past, you had, you know, gun-ho people who who were children, at least, of wars, and, and they're very strong conservatives, and, and the military attracts conservatives in middle America. But now you have a new generation who has been much more acceptive of LGBTQ+, and uh, much more open to this diversity, as we call it. And they're coming in, and they're changing the fabric, not from the top down, but from the bottom up. And we saw that just the last 10 years in tech, because you had all these older guys who created these you know, huge platforms, but they were being bullied by their all their new employees and you know threaten walk-offs unless they ban this group or or push this agenda and so it's also it's not just a top down but it's a bottom up so i don't know you look at an apple and it gets a little bit of a mold a little rot on it but you know it's exponential it gets faster and faster rots faster till it's totally useless and unfortunately that's where we are in society society is there, there's nowhere you can go that isn't totally useless uh, even the church uh, so much of the church is apostasy and her- heresy just runs amok it, tom it, it tells me that jesus christ is right around the corner uh, amen you know interesting you mentioned the apostasy just running amok man is it is it ever um, you, but that's a first uh, timothy chapter four there will be a departure from the faith doctrine of demons i mean you look at all of these things even with the lawlessness abounding in the way you described it earlier. I look at that and it's so interesting when you look at the Bible because the Bible talks about lawlessness abounding at the same time that you have a complete control of lawlessness with this beast Mm -hmm. system. So when you look at it again, as I look at it, I think, okay, lawlessness must completely get, it must just get so chaotic that the people will cry out and say, we need a leader. The leader comes out, conquering into conquer, controls everything. Nobody's going to get out of line anymore. It's like you can't make that up. The Bible describes both things happening at the same time in the last days. And what a perfect setup this world is for the man of lawlessness to come about and control the masses of the people with the system that's being built. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the last few years, why is one political party so pro-Antifa? <laughs> I mean, they're absolute anarchists. It's because they're working for a bigger agenda. You know, we we look at the, the crazy decision. This goes back to the first question you had. The crazy decisions people are making, you're like, how can that be? Well, on some side, they're doing whatever is selfishly gives them benefits. But I don't think anybody's working for the good of their society, their community, their neighborhood, their families, even their country anymore. They've got a bigger picture in mind, a global government that will give them whatever they want or they think they're going to get. And everybody in the, the highest levels of government seem to see their positions as presidents as just a step to a bigger position working for the UN and eventually the global government. So yeah, I, I think they're making all these terrible decisions because they don't care about the United States. They don't care about their state. They want the bigger global government. And you know, just 10 years ago, I was having a debate with a, a pastor friend of mine. He said, I don't see anywhere where, where people are calling out for global government. Well, he's singing a different tune now that the world wants a global government. They want all the freedoms but they want to deal with all the lawlessness at the same time. The Bible prophesied. This is exactly what the Bible prophesies. Matter of fact, the Antichrist, as you know, is even called the man of lawlessness. He he comes in, and we can look throughout history and see that Satan has always worked off the same. Satan is brilliant, but he's he follows the same the same strategy over and over. You you create law, like look at the French Revolution. You you create a good cause and and it goes out of hand and, and evil runs amok and lawlessness everywhere and what do you get afterwards a dictator and that's what the world wants it wants a dictator to fix the lawlessness and they're willing to give up whatever freedoms because this dictator will give them all the lust that they want but will take away their freedom and that's right out of the book of revelation well, that's exactly what is coming just like that uh Hey, everybody, just a quick heads up. Tomorrow joining me is Brandon Holdhouse. Wednesday, exclusive on the app, is Alex Jones. So got some great programs coming up uh, both tomorrow and on Wednesday. And I also want to thank all of you for partnering with us. It helps us to be able to move forward and bring the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. Who did I say? Alex Alex Jones. Oh, not Alex Jones. Alex Newman's going to be joining me on Wednesday. <laughs> so I said Alex Jones. Anyways, thank you, everybody, for your understanding. There for a okay. There, yeah. yeah, Alex Newman's joining me on Wednesday. That's funny. And uh, uh, let's get back. I want to get back to Nathan right now. So, Nathan, um, I mean, there's so much going on. You also have a book out, a new book, uh, 12, 12 Faith Journeys uh, with the Minor Prophets. Um, now, you've written on the Minor Prophets before, and now you have another book coming out uh, on them. Uh, listen, what, what a blessing it is. You are a blessing to have in the, in the Bible community. I really appreciate you, and also uh, looking forward to this book. Um, how can people get it? Okay, well, 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets has been around for a bit. I, I wanted to bring the Minor Prophets alive, so my co-author, Pastor Steve Howell, and myself sought to teach people what are the challenges to our faith the Minor Prophets went through, and what can we learn from them and survive in this day and age. Uh, but because it was more of a Christian living book, it didn't have the emphasis on prophecy. So with the second edition, and here's this is the draft, uh, it's still in print right now, uh, the the printer today actually said that it's been shipped, so it's not available quite yet. But I have this second, what I call the prophecy edition. And the prophecy edition has every prophecy 
in each of the minor prophet books and it also explains when they were fulfilled either past present or future and when in the future it's going to be fulfilled so people are always writing well do you have a list of every prophecy in this or that well now i have a book that has every prophecy and when it will be fulfilled and that's the second edition of the 12 faith journeys of the minor prophet book and that should be available in the next month uh, very cool hey let, let me ask you this um how can a Christians stand strong in this current culture? Oh, well, you got to get around the lies, right? And how do you get around the lies? You go to the Bible. That's the only truth. Uh, see, you can only trust the Bible. Folks, don't even trust Tom and me. You know, be good Bereans. Check and make sure that everything we're saying is legit. We go to Ephesians 6 again, and we learn about the full armor of God. And, and Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So what is that? Uh, you gird your waist with truth. How do we know what truth is in the Bible? We we put righteousness as our breastplate. We put on our feet the gospel of peace. We take the shield of faith that we trust in the Lord that he's got it all together. Uh, we put the helmet of salvation. you got to be saved to know the truth. If you're not saved, you're going to be deceived. And the sword of the Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit living inside you. And he says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, we got to persevere, and supplication for all the saints. Uh, so and where is Paul writing this? He says, I'm an ambassador in chains. So here's a guy who was put in prison for his faith, and he's telling you, how do you survive when persecution gets as bad as what Paul does? You turn to the Bible, you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved, and therefore the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you will be able to discern good from evil. Uh, amen. Uh, what, do you what do you think is the most underrated issue that we are facing today? Uh, I think it goes back to the uh, lukewarmness of the church. Mm. The church is God's instrument in this day and age, and we are dropping the ball. And it was prophesied we dropped the ball in the end times. Uh, you know, we're rich. We have wonderful buildings and great plans and lots of programs. But now we have sparkle priests and archbishops saying Jesus was a homosexual. You know, we got pastors who are more worried about our best life now than our eternal life to come. I mean, the church church dropping the ball and because it's dropping the ball evil is running rampant when we look and see how bad society is it's our fault brother i blame the church we are we are dropping the ball we are not depending on jesus christ as our savior i, I love to read the old puritan books because these people suffered such terrible suffering and deprivations they're kicked out of one country after another but they had the deepest faith you've ever read and so my hope is that our venture the church will suffer persecution. We know it's coming here in the West, and that'll develop our faith, and uh, we'll be separating the weeds from the tares, so to speak. You know what a bunch of people just did when they heard you say that? How could you say that? Don't you know we're getting raptured next week? I think one of the problems with the, the uh, another dynamic with the church is not preparing people for hard things. And because um, yes. we don't know when we're going to be raptured, you and I both teach and believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but the reality of it is, is we need to uh, be salt and light in this world, and God cleanses us and actually draws us closer to him when we go through the difficult things, and he is he's going to separate us wheat from the chaff, and I think we're, we're in that process. That's, that's beautifully said, Todd, because it's true. 
uh, some folks were accused to those of us who love the the teaching of the rapture that we're supposed to get comforted as Christ said, but we use it as an excuse to kind of hide from the world and oh wow the world's getting terrible and all and well no I, you know I love your ministry that you're out there letting people know you're you're telling them the, the deception and how to deal with it and that's what we're called to do in this time as Christians we we're we're to live holy lives. And to evangelize while the time is short. And if we're not doing those two things, then we're just as guilty as the church of Laodicea. Amen. In fact, when Paul wrote to the people of Thessalonica, they were suffering. They were going through some very difficult things. Yet in the context of the rapture, he says, comfort one another with this. With what? That you're not going to go through God's wrath of the tribulation. And uh, it's understanding that part of it. Because they were already uh, going through some pretty difficult things at that time. Uh, more than we are even today, um, but we comfort mm -hmm. one another, knowing no, we're not going. We're not going to. We're not appointed to God's wrath. Nathan, we covered a lot of ground today. Um, you're always fun to have on. Love having you on. Um, do you have Love any final closing words for everybody, all of our viewers? Well, after listening to two of us for the last hour talk about how bad the world is, <laughs> I challenge you to go to. Uh, uh, our website at uh, christinprophecy.org under sermons, I have a sermon on the millennial kingdom. What a difference uh, from the reign of Satan now to the reign of Jesus Christ. Then you want to be encouraged, you want to have hope, study what Christ's kingdom will be like when he returns to this earth and sets up his kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice. There'll be no poverty, no more homeless. Uh, there'll be no Satan running amok and his demons. It'll be a world where we get to go see Jesus up in Jerusalem face to face. It's a it's a wonderful future. So yes, the darkness is always the darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is coming soon. Uh, amen. That is a uh, that was great. Thank you. Very encouraging. The millennial kingdom's always an encouragement. Uh, and make sure you go and check out Nathan's uh, video that he did on that. Uh, what a blessing that is and will be to all of you. And again, I want to thank you all for partnering with us. It helps us to get out the truth and get out the message of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, tomorrow will be Brandon Holthouse. Wednesday on the app is Alex Newman, exclusive on the app. God bless you all. See you tomorrow.